This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Welcome back to Gyomi Talks, guys. This episode, it's me and Tom once again, and the title is... Uh, we got Tom's 10 Innovators and Pioneers in Wrestling that You Need to Know. So, this 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 isn't, isn't just another show about you, right? No. Um, <laughs> that was just top stars of today, you would need to know. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, this is more... I don't know, this goes back to the Mount Rushmore wrestling thing that everybody's... Uh, and a lot of these guys weren't necessarily champions per se, but the stuff they did hugely changed and molded the industry of wrestling into what it is today. Because innovator doesn't mean champion. Yes. It means um, someone who added to the sport. The way they did something or just their personal contributions really impacted uh, the business of professional wrestling, even if they weren't necessarily the top guy. Right. Oh, and since it's 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 me and me and Tom recording. There we go, and that's it. That's better now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start off with a man who's known as the god of wrestling in Japan, uh, Carl Gotch. Uh, debuted in 1950. Uh, Fantastic amateur wrestler, of course, wrestled for Belgium in the 1948 Olympics in both freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling. The reason the German suplex is called the German suplex is because of Karl Gotch, even though he's Belgian, but it's actually a belly-to-back rear waistlock suplex, but I think we all like German suplex better. Um, Gotch was known for his unprecedented technical mastery of wrestling. Uh, he was hugely popular in Japan. Uh, he defeated Antonio Inoki on the very first New Japan Pro Wrestling show on March 6th of 1972. Oh, wow. Uh, he was part of the inaugural Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame in 96 and trained some of the biggest names in Japanese wrestling. Uh, Hiro Matsuda, um, even Whoa. some names over here, uh, Cowboy Poborn Jr. actually. Yoshika Fujiwara, who invented the Fujiwara armbar, uh, and everyone's favorite insane lunatic, uh, Minoru Suzuki. Oh, God. Yeah. He trained Suzuki? Yep. Wow. Gosh was well known for stretching people. So a fantastic, fantastic pioneer. Uh, number two on our list, uh, guy most people have never heard of, but completely changed the wrestling business. Gorgeous George debuted in 1932. He was coming out to like the pomp and circumstance music. He would wear wigs. Uh, people just wore like black athletic robe before Gorgeous George. He was the first guy to come out wearing big fancy elaborate robes. He wore wigs. Uh, he tossed out Georgie pins, which were like hair pins to the fans. Toss them out to the crowd, and you have his manservant Jeffries 
spray like the big old pump spraying Chanel number five around the ring before he would get into it to purify uh, he would have Jeffries bring out between falls in a match a tank like a fake oxygen cylinder it would have California air written on it because he didn't want to breathe the stank air of wherever he was in so he would breathe some pure air through a mask from this big tank of California air supposedly See, and I remember, I remember Gorgeous George because my grandmother would tell me that Ric Flair was just a, a cheap knockoff of Gorgeous George. Um, partially true, but uh, so I yes, wouldn't say a knockoff. I I would say inspired by. Yes. Heavily inspired. But uh, Gorgeous George was. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> and he was one hell of a character. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so well, well before anybody else was doing that sort of thing. Uh, now that you mentioned that Ric Flair being a ripoff of Gorgeous George, uh, not quite. However, the next man, he is a ripoff of. <laughs> uh, we did talk about it in our Champions Edition, but... I will definitely mention him again. Uh, the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers, uh, debuted in 1939. Wow. Uh, he popularized the figure four. He had the bleach blonde hair and the notorious Buddy Rogers strut. Guys did not strut in wrestling uh, prior to Buddy Rogers. That just wasn't. That wasn't a thing you did. Um, and he popularized the figure four leg lock. Uh, he did not invent it. That's a judo hold. Uh, he was the very first WWWF champion, which he won in a tournament in Rio. Uh, dun, dun, dun. In <laughs> Tournaments in Rio. April yeah. 23rd, 1963. Um, he's only one of four people to hold the WWE, WWF championship and the NWA championship. Uh, along with Ric Flair, AJ Styles, and Christian Cage. Uh, I'm, ab I'm absolutely amazed that AJ Styles is in that list. Yes. Uh, but yes, the original Nature Boy. Uh, most people would be surprised to know there's actually been like four or five Nature Boys since. Uh, everyone, of course, knows uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair. There's also Nature Boy Roger Kirby. Uh, Nature Boy, Buddy Landell, and uh, what's the guy running around embarrassing himself now? Nature Boy Paul Lee. Oh God. So yeah, still. So. Well, I can't say that. I've never seen Paul Lee wrestle. I've never seen a video of him. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, does not compare to the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, shall we say? Um. Number four on our list, uh, the man who is defeated in the Rio tournament for the WWWF Championship in 1963, uh, Antonia Raca, a barefoot boy from the Argentine, uh, debuted in 1942. Now, a lot of people think the high-flying style is a Mexican or a modern thing, but actually uh, Raca was... Drop kicking and head scissoring people back in the 40s. Oh, wow. Uh, 
He was an animator of the Argentinian Backbreaker, also known as the Torture Rack, uh, the Running Elbow Drop. Uh, he popularized the dropkick. He did not invent it. That was invented by Abe Coleman back in the 1900s. Uh, he was once on the cover of Superman comics, uh, number 155 in August of 62, fighting Superman oh, wow. in a wrestling match. So, if ever there was a sign of popularity, it's that you could whip Superman in a wrestling match. Wasn't that the one they had the red sunlight over the ring, so they they were quote-unquote even? I think it was. Why do I know this? Oh, God. I'm a giant nerd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number five on his list, we definitely mentioned before, but I don't care. I will never stop talking about Luthez as one of the greatest champions that you should know about. And I, wrestling. I love how how a younger talent had no idea who who who, who that was. Oh, <laughs> just, just don't be in wrestling if you don't know who Luthez is. Um, how do you not know the Fez Press? Uh, yeah, Luthez. Oh. The thing that Stone Cold does when he jumps up people—that is the Fez Press. Uh, the STF that John Cena uses was invented by Lou Thez. The powerbomb that 407 big guys use as their finisher was invented by Lou Thez. So, three of the biggest moves used by some of the biggest names in wrestling was invented by Lou Thez. Um, and it wasn't just, like, his innovative of moves. Uh, also, there's a Hall of Fame named after him. And yeah. not like the WWE Hall of Fame where it's, or the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame where it's like a an honorific mm. thing bestowed yeah. upon you. The actual real Hall of Fame is in Waterloo, Iowa. It is the Luthez George Tragicos Hall of Fame. It is a building. <laughs> it's not a title. So So wait, didn't Luthez also also uh, invent the Orange Cassidy kick? <laughs> I'll throw stuff at you. <laughs> um, yeah. I, 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 I think I just broke Tom's brain. Thez's <laughs> ghost is coming for you, just so you know. Um, oh, yes, so... Yeah. Not just the the moves. Thez's uh, toughness and durability changed wrestling. Uh, he was the first multi-time champ. Guys... Nobody had won the NWA championship more than once prior to Luthez. He was a three-time champion. He was also the oldest champion for a longest time at 46 years of age. Most guys spent their entire career trying to get the title and had one run, and that was it. Uh, and that was a huge thing. Uh, so him winning the title at 46 was a long-standing record. Uh, up until Tim Storm broke it very recently at 51 years of age. And Tim Storm is a badass. Yes. Uh, Thez, but it was overall 15-time world champion. Oh, sorry. He was also uh, the last major championship. He won the UWA championship at the age of 62 and held it for a year in 1978. Uh, oh. So, and it wasn't like he was out, oh, you know, he was beating the shit out of people. And it wasn't like he was, because that's the Luthez I actually remember when he was an older fellow. He was moving slowly, very methodical, and he would just grab people and break pieces of them off. Like those, that's the Luthez I re will remember because I, 
I'll be honest, I've never seen any really young Luthez tapes, videos, DVDs, any of that stuff. Uh, it's tough. you got to really dig to find a young Thez. Um, but yeah, he was also, of course, the longest reigning NWA champion with a seven-year reign and the longest combined reigns at over ten years. Uh, so definitely someone changed the game. Uh, he was also on TV more than anyone in the 1950s. Uh, so incredible what Luthez did to change and legitimize the business of professional wrestling. Uh, number six on our list, uh, a man who definitely broke boundaries called the Jackie Robinson of pro wrestling, uh, Sweet Daddy C. Oh, wow. Uh, my mother's favorite wrestler. Uh, Mr. Irresistible debuted in 1955. <laughs> I also like to keep in mind, folks listening, uh, the Civil Rights Act was not passed in the United States until 1964. Yep. Uh, so racial segregation was fully and legal. For those people who don't know, uh, Sweet Daddy Siki was a uh, he he is a black a black man because. Oh yes. Yeah. I'm. We can't assume people know know that well they're gonna learn yeah. um so yes uh he transcended racial boundaries uh the ladies pet and the men's regret uh he was the first african-american to wrestle for the nwa world championship uh he wrestled in a series of matches against buddy rogers in the 1960s so prior to the end of racial segregation, it was a huge controversial happening. Uh, KKK threatened both men's lives, uh, surrounded the building. It was several very ugly, very dangerous instances. And Sweet Daddy rose above all that. Uh, so fantastic. And uh, people talk about Chris Jericho and all these people putting out albums uh he actually was a trendsetter in that as well uh back in the 1970s he released a self-titled country western album called sweet daddy Siki. uh overall would go on to have five country western albums uh still sings karaoke to this day and toronto on saturdays the duke live.com uh, he also popularized the airplane spin move and was also instrumental in helping to train the next generation of wrestlers. Uh, Edge Christian and Trish Stratus, he had a hand in training. Uh, he was a big star of Maple Leaf Wrestling here in Canada. So a fantastic pioneer and trailblazer in his own right. And I like to see that he's lived in Toronto now for, he's basically made Toronto Since the 1960s. Since the 60s. Yeah. Uh, number seven on our list, uh, the father of Pariso. Uh, I probably said that wrong, but uh, the man who was the cornerstone of Japanese wrestling, uh, Rika Dozen, made his debut in 1951. Uh, a lot of folks were still touchy about some stuff that happened in 1944 uh, back then. Uh, he was a former sumo wrestler. Uh, Sekiwak, I might have said that wrong also. Uh, it's the third highest rank in sumo. 
popularized the Karate Chop and the Sumo Palm Strike. He founded the Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance, the JWA, in 1953. There was no large or major Japanese wrestling federations at that point. Um, he helped train Antonio Inoki, Giant Baba, and the Great Kabuki. Oh, wow. Uh, he wrestled Lou Thez. And May 24th in 1963, in the highest rating ever in wrestling history. Excuse me, with an 87 rating. Pardon? Uh, 87 rating, meaning most of the people in the world who had television at that time tuned in to see that matchup. Uh, keep in mind, with that perspective, the highest Raw rating ever was on May 10th, 99 was 8.1. Uh, um, the Oscars last year, big star-studded, huge television event, garnered a 7.7 rating last year. And even the Super Bowl, one of the biggest sporting events in the world last year, got a 44.9 rating. So half as many people, wow. or twice as many people who tuned in to see the Super Bowl last year tuned in to see Thez Riedozen. And I have not watched a football game in years. Yeah. Fantastic career, unfortunately cut short at a fairly young age. Uh, still a badass story of how he dies. Um, was in a bar fight and a Yakuza member stepped on his feet or did something to offend him and he demanded an apology and the man refused. And so Rika Dozen began beating the shit out of him and the man fearing for his own safety stabbed him and uh, Rika Dozen unfortunately died later of complications of the stab wound. However, the Yakuza member was sentenced to manslaughter, but was so remorseful he still, after being released from jail, uh, calls Rikidozen's sons to apologize on the anniversary of his father's, of their father's death every year. Oh, wow. uh, despite the fact that this gentleman, uh, Murata, went on to be a fairly high-ranking Yakuza member. Still feels the need to pay tribute to Ricky Dozen, so clearly we should too. Hey Tom, you know how how I've just been been overworked, overtired, and just pretty much lazy, eating like crap. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go go with AR Fitness. And you know, with AR Fitness, the future is here. Online coaching brings everything to you in gym, in the house, even on MRS. And you get the customized nutrition and customized workout plans to crush your goals. Stop with the fad diets and the crazy restrictions that's left you miserable in the past. Or personal experience, I know. I get bored of eating the same three things over and over and over. I'm a cook. And with AR Fitness, you can cook what you want. You learn how to eat properly and train the way you want to train without sabotaging your results. So go check out AR Fitness and remember, tell them Gilmi sent you. Uh, number eight on the list, uh, another legend and pioneer, uh, El Santo. Definitely oh, wow. the man who's considered the father of Mexican wrestling. Yep. I think in arguable, and oftentimes there's a debate over who's the most famous this and that. I don't think anyone would debate the fact that El Santo is the most famous Mexican wrestler in history. No, he is. Uh, making, his, down. making his debut in 1934, he had a legendary career capturing more titles than I have time to recount in this segment. Uh, he starred in over 50 movies, 
he appeared in an issue of Batman, uh, Batman 66, number 27. His own comic, the El Santo comic, ran from 1952 until 1987. He appeared on Mystery Science Theater 3000, very popular science fiction show. Uh, was famous for never ever removing his mask. Uh, he removed his mask one time only in January 84 on a Mexican talk show uh, a month before his death in February 84. So it was kind of his, it was definitely his goodbye to his fans. Uh, he was buried in his mask at one of the largest funerals in Mexican history. Uh, there is a solid silver statue erected in his honor, as well as a museum dedicated to El Santo in his hometown of Tulanchingo, Mexico. Uh, so truly, a... I did. I, I did actually know about the statue because if you're if you're a hardcore wrestling fan and you start digging in histories. That photo of that statue always comes up. Always comes up. Because I can't even think of another solid silver st statue that's been made. No. I can't think of any other wrestlers that really have statues erected to them. Eh, well, WWE's starting that. But I mean that they weren't publicity stunts. I mean that other oh, yeah, people I decided. Know. Yeah, because El, El Santo was a part of Me Mexican... He was an icon was, and still is an icon of Mexican culture. Yeah, and it's not like, oh, it's there's nothing else I you can compare El Santo to, like, comparatively, like a huge star. He was on everyone's wall. He was all over the country, and everybody loved him. Yes. Number nine on our list, uh, a man who is often forgotten in the midst of history, but had a crucial role in professional wrestling. Orville Brown was the very first ever NWA champion. Yeah. Uh, like, I know the name. I don't know much about him, though. Yes, Orville, a uh, fantastic amateur wrestler, was undefeated in 71 amateur matches in the 1920s. He began unifying the assorted, what had become very fractionalized world championships <laughs> uh, back in 1948, unifying the AWA Maryland Midwestern State Championships, which were three of the six major, six or seven major championships uh, of that era. Uh, he was actually the NWA champion. People think he wasn't very long, but it was from July 14th, 1948 until he was forced to forfeit the belt in November 1st, 1949 uh, for a day of 517, reign of 517 days. Uh, he was severely injured in a car wreck on Halloween night, uh, 1949, and was not ever able to. It was immediately known he would not be able to recover. And the belt was forfeited to Luthez. Um, but still a key figure in the history of wrestling. Number 10. The reason every wrestler today is called a superstar. Is superstar Billy Graham. Uh, the original superstar debuted in January of 1970. He had a, he was jacked and tan. Like people were big. But he was cut. He had the six-pack. 
He had the delts, the tries, the body. He was tanned. Uh, he was bright. He wore tie-dyes. He talked the lingo. Too sweet to be sour. Uh, man with the power. He talked the talk. Uh, it was the first person to talk about having 22-inch pythons. Big, big arms. Uh, lift barbell plates. Barbell plates. Eat T-bone steaks. Sweeter than a German chocolate cake. Superstar Billy Graham. Uh, big time ended Bruno's seven and a half year run as WWF champion. Defeating Bruno in Madison Square Gardens was unheard of. Uh, April 30th, 19, excuse me, 1977, would go on to be champion for a year. Uh, but definitely redefined what it was from being a pro wrestler to being a superstar. And then a couple of honorable mentions we're going to throw out there people who, uh, Made some big-time impacts in the world of wrestling. Uh, Juice and Thunder Lager, just because I always want to talk about Juice and oh, Lager. Of course. <laughs> uh, but people don't really... He, not in addition to being a fantastic character, uh, he invented the Lager Bomb, uh, the Shorte Palm Strike, and popularized the Rolling Wheel Kick. Uh, Lager also really changed the game for junior heavyweights. He is the most prestigious IWGP junior heavyweight champion with 16 times record holding as well as having the longest reign as uh, IWGP junior heavyweight champion I, and I don't think that six that number will ever be beaten no 16, no 16 the next times. closest is like eight or nine <laughs> like this not not even close like all the modern day guys are not even close no um not to mention he had a 40-year career and it's not like he won it like sharp uh like charlotte flair is winning winning titles in wwe he would go years without a title yeah uh liar was constantly reinventing himself fantastic yeah uh another honorable mention going out to another fantastic japanese wrestler but the great kabuki another guy who doesn't really get the credit for some of the stuff he innovated uh everybody thinks great muda was the innovator of the poison mist but it's not true it was in fact great kabuki who was the uh air quotes here folks father of the great muda in the same way can undertaker brothers yeah <laughs> um but yes great kabuki came up to the ring uh wearing ornate mask none doing a nunchuck routine and innovated the poison mist or often called the asian mist back in WCCW in Texas in early 1980s. And um, Happy Humphreys. Uh, oh, wow. Yes. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yes, one you don't hear too often. Uh, one of the original big men of wrestling. Uh, he was the largest wrestler ever, actually. Uh, six foot one, 802 pounds. Wait. I'm six foot two. Bah. I'm over... I'm... I'd say I'm about 220, 225. 800 pounds on a frame of my size. Yes. Uh, so, Happy Humphrey was quite the behemoth of a man. He also uh, set the record for most weight loss after he lost uh, over 500 pounds after he left wrestling. Once wrestled a bear in 1953 for 28 minutes uh, at Madison Square Gardens. Uh He's also one of the first fan-friendly fan wrestlers. Like, he didn't uh, go and get autographs from wrestlers before then. 
I wasn't a, didn't say hi and shake hands with him. That wasn't a thing. And he was one of the first guys to really start branch out and do that. Uh, Due to the Happy Humphreys. Hence, yeah, it's the name Happy Humphreys. Uh, sold out Madison Square Garden. Their big rivalries against Haystack Calhoun. Who was also a large man, man himself. Yes, um, I didn't write it, but I guess I'm gonna we're gonna throw uh, Haystacks Calhoun on there. I have to shoot from the memory, but uh, Haystacks Calhoun was a also big giant man, uh, weighing in around 600 pounds as well in the 1960s. Uh, was a big farm boy wore overalls, uh, very much the predecessor to Hillbilly Jim. Uh, Haystacks Calhoun got the name Haystacks because of appearance on the Art, Art Linkletter show. Feet of strength, he tossed entire hay bales up onto a loft, one arm at a time, throwing big square bales up onto a second-story loft, and hence the name Haystacks. I, I can barely pick, pick, pick those things up. Yes, uh, wore his lucky horseshoe around his neck all the time. <laughs> frequently became used in matches. Uh, so, alright, uh, so yes, yeah, so Haystacks Calhoun's one of the original, also one of the original giants of wrestling. Uh, it was actually tag team champions with the previously mentioned Antony Araka back in the old WWF. So there you have it, folks. I'm gonna go fuck my cat. <laughs> well, uh, there is one more on this, I, I, I do want to mention, I normally don't, do not, do not do this, and I let Tom, Tom say, say everything on, on these shows, but there is one innovator that I do think we missed, he's more, more modern than some of those guys, or except Lager, Piper, because the way he did promos, I think he was the first, um, he was the first guy who would go all, 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 like, scary all in for, uh, for promos. Breaking the bottles over his head. Tom's sitting there shaking his head going, Piper did nothing, nothing or really or, or original. Uh, what, what's your opinion on the uh, Piper? Because uh, I, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan, but. Piper was, uh, his promos were fantastic. Um. The going all in and going crazy on the promo, which was actually a Leduc habit back in the 50s. Of course, Maurice Vachon, uh, <laughs> a lunatic. And uh, we'd talk about back in the old AWA, building a pine box for guys. Uh, Jerry Blackwell, he was going to kill Jerry Blackwell and bury him. And built him a nice pine. I built the nice pine box. It's nice and cool down here in the dark. <laughs> I built this place for Jerry Blackwell. Uh, even going back to Joe LeDuc, uh, Joe LeDuc was famous for during a promo back in the 60s and swearing a blood oath on TV and taking an axe head and cutting open his own forearm and blood running and swearing a blood oath of vengeance. So what you're saying is there's been a lot of dark and crazy, crazy guys throughout the history of wrestling. Yes, uh, wrestling has always been very colorful, and people, I don't think people give the old guys credit. They just think of it like, oh, so, you know, they just 
did arm bars and headlocks for two and a half hours and called it a day, and then did the same match every night. Uh, and in certain things they would do, you know, very similar things night in, night out, because you're wrestling 300 nights a year, so of course things are going to be similar. Um, but also, they worked on their promos a lot. Yes, and the fact that uh, these guys didn't borrow from, they didn't, uh, they carved this out of the mud and the blood and the dirt, literally. And, uh definitely deserve more credit than they're given by modern wrestling fans I feel yep and that's why why we we uh, do these do these uh, do these shows yes uh, upcoming editions we'll talk about some funnier stuff too uh, I've got some plans for talking about some of the most cringeworthy stuff that we picked on the attitude era so I figure we'll pick on WCW a little bit there oh yeah everybody's very nostalgia for WCW lately and I'm like really <sighs> do you remember when they did <laughs> Who's nostalgic for WCW? A lot of people, man. Uh, I'll be honest, WCW had its moments. And when Nitro was on, I watched the first hour. Because I couldn't watch the... Yeah. But I will talk about that. And we'll talk about some of the tag teams. Tom's 10 tag teams you need to know as well in upcoming editions. Hmm. And of course, our always fantastic uh, monthly indie roundups. Oh, yeah. So, and one of the tag teams you're saying is uh, Billy and Dear Chuck? I might. Uh, <laughs> I actually enjoyed Billy and Chuck very much, so. Um, they were fun, and uh, that was the first one that, that I, would, I was trying, try, trying to think of an awful tag team. And, that's, and now that I'm thinking, I'm like, Billy and Chuck were, were actually good. Oh, man, let's talk about, like, PG-13 if we want to talk about bad tag teams. <laughs> you're like, Wolfie D and... Whatever ice, some. Oh God. Or public, public any enemy versus. Uh, public enemy anywhere other than ECW. <laughs> public enemy versus the acolytes. Oh man. No, that was fantastic because the kid loved the piss it. out of them, but. I was a, I I actually saw that saw 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 it live and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> Johnny Grunge <laughs> trying to cover up and hide. Yep. <laughs> and then you just hear the pause and Dave Chappelle like it was at this moment Johnny Grunge knew he fucked up because uh, it's like the when keeping it real goes wrong series oh, yeah. from the old Chappelle show but yeah never seen Farouk move that fast ever <laughs> ever <laughs> go watch his old NWA oh. stuff no no I, I I did I've actually watched Ron uh, Simmons Never seen him move that fast. Yeah. When that little that chubby dude was running from him and he grabbed him by by the uh, face. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks for uh, for 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 listening and thank you very very much, Tom, for uh, for putting this all to all together and proving me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>